around a third of all the food that we produce is wasted every single year. That's well over a billion tons of food waste every single year, worth well over a trillion dollars. So this is a huge, uh, a huge amount of money wasted, a huge amount of resources wasted. But just to give you a, a couple of statistics, you know, just in terms of the greenhouse gas emissions that are used to grow the food uh, that we throw away is about eight to 10% of total greenhouse gas emissions. And to put that into context, if food waste was a country, and it would be a really smelly, horrible country, I have to say, but still, if it was a country, um, it would be the third biggest emitter of greenhouse gas emissions on the planet. And we need an area the size of China to grow the food that is thrown away every single year. And this is against a backdrop where around one in nine people on the planet go to bed every night hungry. You are listening to Farm to Fork, a series from The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is on food waste management. Where are you, Cindy Paragill? Well, Matthew Charles, I'm in a quiet corner in Geneva. Quiet corner of Geneva, nice. Yes. And where are you, Matthew Charles? Well, I'm in a quiet corner of Southeast London. <laughs> <laughs> but where where should we be? Well, we should be in our usual place for this series of The Standard Show, and that is at the delightful to love tea and coffee house in London's Battersea, just down the road from Clapham Junction, and having our usual tea, coffee and cake. Yes, we should, but sadly, we are not. But of course, we may not be out having tea and cake, Cindy, but we are having some nonetheless. For me, nice builder's tea. Yorkshire Gold, in fact. Other brands are available, but most are not nearly as good. And a slice of Victoria Sponge, which I'm showing you, as you can see now, Uh which, as you know, Cindy, and regular listeners will know, is the best cake. Of course, whatever. My slice of red velvet beats your sponge cake anytime. <laughs> just, it does. Just uh, look at it. I know, actually, I must admit that does look good, but I know for a fact that it is just not as good. Mm, no. I choose to disagree. <laughs> Well, we are arguing about cake again because this is Farm to Fork, our series on the relationship between standards and food. Yes, and in this series, our menu of episodes loosely follows the food cycle of food innovation, production, packaging, distribution, consumption and waste management. And featuring some of the key standards involved in each of them. And in this episode, we are looking at food waste management. Yes, food waste management and our final episode in this series. I know, right? It's been it's been quite a journey. <laughs> it has been a journey, a bit of a longer one than we yeah. both thought. But so but here we are at the final episode. Now playing us in at the top of the episode was the voice of Richard Swanell. Now Richard is director of impact growth at an organization called RAP, a climate action NGO or non-governmental organisation. And Richard was describing the quite mind-boggling scale of the global food waste problem. Now, I spoke to Richard all about this problem and about the use of standards in helping to address it, but in particular about a new upcoming standard, one that is currently at the draft stage, and that is ISO 20001, a standard that will help organisations to measure, minimise and manage food waste. 
Before we hear Matthew's conversation with Richard, let's hear from Sarah Walton from BSI to tell us more about the general relationship between standards and food waste. Now, when we started this series, Sarah was head of food sector at BSI. She has now moved on to a new role at BSI. But as it is the last episode in this series, we have invited her back. My name is Sarah Walton, and I was formerly the head of food sector at BSI, and I'm now focusing more on issues to do with net zero. Food waste is a serious global problem. It's well documented that around a third of the world's food resources are lost annually as waste. These losses have huge economic impacts for organisations and for consumers. In developing countries, more waste tends to arise at the earlier stages of the supply chain, for example, through food being spoiled during storage and through transportation. Whilst here in the UK, most food waste, around 70% or so, arises at the very end of the supply chain, in other words, in our homes. The environmental impacts from food waste are very significant. Around 20 to 30% of total global greenhouse gas emissions are attributable to the food system which means it's a priority area for the net zero agenda, with, of course, a very key role for standards. Standards such as BS 8001, PAS 2050 and PAS 2060 are playing a role in helping the food sector to shift to much more sustainable operations generally. More specifically, the upcoming new management system standard on food waste management, ISO 20001, going to provide a framework for food organisations to work actively and effectively to measure and reduce food loss and waste across the whole food supply chain. So for all parts of the food cycle, including food waste management, standards provide a way for everyone to agree what good looks like. Here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find and follow us on Twitter or X at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. So Richard Swanell is Director of Impact Growth at the climate action NGO RAP. He's also a standards maker, chairing the BSI Standards Committee, working on standards to address food loss and waste, which in turn provides input into the International Committee on Food Loss and Waste at ISO, which is developing ISO 20001. In this first slice of my conversation, I started by asking Richard to tell me more about RAP. Well, Matthew, RAP is a, a not-for-profit climate NGO climate action NGOs. So what we're really all about is reducing greenhouse gas emissions right across supply chains. But what at the heart of what we do is drive system change. And we focus in three particular areas, the food system that we're going to talk more about today, uh, plastics, which is intimately related with food, and indeed textiles as well. And what we're trying to do, do is reduce greenhouse gas emissions right across the supply chain, um, also to, to reduce waste and also to, uh, to manage water in a better way, making sure that we're not wasting water as part of this process as well. So overall, we're about driving systems change to reduce greenhouse gas emissions across key sectors, sectors that have a big impact um, uh, on the the global environment. 
And about your role, Richard, tell us about your role and what do you do on a day-to-day basis for RAP? Well, I'm really delighted to be working with RAP, uh, for RAP, to deliver impact growth. So I'm the director of impact growth and my role is is working with a whole team at RAP to see if we can increase the amount of uh, impact we're having around the world on the food system, on the textile system and on the plastic system. Uh, and overall driving the circular economy in those three core areas. Now, Richard, this is the standard show and uh, we ask pretty much all of our guests this question. We're doing this since the, since the very beginning. It's about standards journeys. So I'm interested about your personal relationship with standards here. You know, how and when did it start for you and where are you now? Well, I suppose that the... I've been working with standards most of my career, Matthew. I've been, you know, standards has been at the heart of how we're thinking about driving change. But I guess just to bring it alive for the food one, we, you know, I, I worked with uh, a range of partners around the world like uh, WRI, um, uh, uh, UNEP, um, FAO on developing the Food Loss and Waste Reporting Protocol, which is the first international uh, approach to measurement, monitoring and reporting of food waste around the world. Uh, and and so we, we did that uh, about seven or eight years ago now and, and took about, a, uh, uh, about uh, a year, a year and a half to do. But what it did do was set down a consistent method of actually measuring and reporting food waste, which has now been widely adopted around the world and is a central plank. Um, on delivering change in that sector. Because if you, you know, come back to the, the, the classic, if you don't measure, you can't manage. So critically, what standards do is help you come up with a consistent way of driving change that people can then adopt in a consistent way around the world. Now, Richard, you have become, uh, you are a standards maker with with BSI uh, and you're also a committee chair, standards committee chair. So tell us, uh, tell us about your committee and about your role as chair. And I'm particularly keen to know, you know, why have you become a standards maker with BSI? Well, I think if we're going to tackle food waste, we do need to be able to manage food waste and reduce food waste. And that is the core of what uh, the committee that I run. So I run a mirror committee for the food loss and waste standard. Um, And what we're all about is actually working alongside the International Standards Organization um, in developing a standard in this particular space, one that can be widely adopted by businesses around the world, one that is effective, one that is cost-effective to use, one that businesses really want to implement because they want to see and and drive change. And I'm delighted to say that I've got a great committee. It's broad-based. It has technical experts. It has uh, experts from industry, experts from academia, all working together or with a passion for tackling food loss and waste. And Richard, do you, do you enjoy your role as chair? Just sort of take us inside, uh, give us some insight here. What, what does it mean as a role of chair of this committee? And are you enjoying that role? Oh, I'm loving the role, Matthew. It's um, it's a real privilege to be working with so many uh, people. I mean, I guess what's always lovely about um, uh, running a mirror committee and working with people is with everybody's got a shared common goal of driving using standards to drive change and and therefore you know and they're all looking to see how we can make this as effective um uh, as possible you know making sure we're using the most up-to-date research in our thinking making sure it's practical you know and bringing together the, the different experiences of those around the room to come up with a better standard as a result and to be able to feed into the international standards process is just fantastic it's a real privilege now here to talk about food waste and food waste management. I just want to sort of ask a general question uh, to begin with. You know, what's the problem here? You know, food waste. What's the problem? 
Uh, and why should we care about it? Well, food waste is a massive problem globally. And just to give you an idea, Matthew, uh, around a third of all the food that we produce is wasted every single year. That's well over a billion tonnes of food waste every single year, worth well over a trillion dollars. So this is a huge uh, a huge amount of money wasted, a huge amount of resources wasted. But just to give you a, a couple of statistics, you know, just in terms of the greenhouse gas emissions that are used to grow the food uh, that we throw away, is about 8 to 10% of total greenhouse gas emissions. And to put that into context, if food waste was a country, and it would be a really smelly, horrible country, I have to say, but still, if it was a country, <laughs> um, it would be the third biggest emitter of greenhouse gas emissions on the planet. Um, and we need an area the size of China to grow the food that is thrown away every single year. And this is against a backdrop where around one in nine people on the planet go to bed every night hungry. So there is really good uh, economic reasons for tackling food waste. It's costing us a lot of money. There's very good environmental reasons for tackling food loss and waste uh, because actually it's having a massive environmental impact and we are actually growing food on uh, important land and then chucking it away. And there's very good social reasons for tackling uh, uh, food loss and waste because in essence there are people hungry around the world and not getting a good diet and good nutrition even though we're growing food that they could benefit from. I mean, those figures are, and that, that context is kind of staggering, isn't it? And very sobering. I just wonder whether... Uh, a huge problem. Is it a huge growing problem? I mean, have we, has this crept up on us? I mean, how, how long has, this, has it been that big a problem? Well, I mean, we've, we've known about the scale of the problem probably for about 10 years, 10, 10 plus years. And there's been growing evidence, um, you know, consistent measurement. And of course, this is where standards come in, making sure we're actually managing um, measuring in a consistent way so that we've got reliable numbers. But it's, you know, slowly but surely, we've, we've been building uh, globally, you know, RAP and other organizations like UNEP, like FAO, like uh, WRI, all actually uh, trying to increase the awareness around the world of the scale of this uh, uh, of, of this waste um, and also the fact that you can actually do things about it to reduce it substantially saving money and saving uh, saving carbon emissions and saving water and also getting more food to those in need so you know we've known about it for a, a little while um, but what we and what we've been trying to do is to raise awareness of this so that we can get more and more action and turn that awareness into action of which standards is part of that process. Now, I want to ask you, Richard, um, about the work, a bit more about the work of the committee and the particular standard you're working on. Before we get to that, and you've, you've, you've sort of touched on it a little bit already, you've, you've set out the, the huge problem here in terms of food waste and the impact that it has uh, socially and environmentally and, and economically. What's the role of standards generally in helping address this problem? Well, I think, uh, I guess what those, where standards can really help is, is by helping businesses implement approaches that actually can tackle the problem in a consistent way. One that allows, uh, allows comparison of data, one that allows comparative approaches, one that allows businesses to, to learn how to do things in a consistent way and drive real change. And to give you an example of the benefits that this can do, you know, um, we did some research with WRI looking at um, uh, the, the, the 
cost benefits of tackling food loss and waste. Um, and we, we, you know, we did this in, in, uh, in around 700 countries, um, sorry, 700 companies um, in, in multiple countries around the world and looked at the costs um, uh, of acting on, of actually trying to reduce food loss and waste and the benefits that you get in terms of cost savings. And the median cost reduction, that means more than half of the companies measured were getting $14 back for every $1 invested uh, in that space. Um, so you are actually getting a superb return on investment. Now, in order to deliver that return on investment, having a good, clear standard that helps people say, okay, this is how I manage and reduce food loss and waste can really help make it easy for businesses to act um, and actually reduce their food waste, manage and reduce their food waste, identify the hotspots, identify what they can do about it, reduce it and realize those cost savings. And also by having it implemented into their processes, um, it becomes part of their day-to-day operation. So you know, what, what standards helps you do is operationalize change that can deliver in this particular case really good economic environmental and social outcomes food for thought china and india produce more household food waste than any other countries worldwide at an estimated 92 million and 69 million metric tons every year respectively This is unsurprising considering both countries have by far the largest global populations. Food waste is often thought to be concentrated in wealthier countries. However, in terms of food waste per capita, there are some similarities between developed and developing countries. It is estimated that per capita food waste production is actually highest in Western Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. Do you want to help make people's lives easier, safer, and more enjoyable? Well, why not become a standards maker and have your say on the development of standards? Standards affect all of us every day, wherever we go, whatever we do. By defining good practice, they help people, organizations, the economy, and society to do things better. Each year, standards bodies publish thousands of standards, and we are looking for more people like you to join our community of standards makers. We welcome applicants from all fields, backgrounds, and career stages. Our goal is to have a balance of views around the table. By becoming a standards maker, you could help to create cities that boost people's well-being, make strides in stem cell research, build more diverse workplaces, and even keeping food safe, sustainable, and responsibly sourced. So, if you want to make a difference and shape the world through standards, start your standards making journey now. Simply visit bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. In the first slice of my conversation with Richard Swinnell, he set out the quite staggering scale of the food waste problem and the role of standards generally in helping to address it by, to use Richard's words, operationalizing change. Now, in this second slice, I started by asking Richard about one particular standard, the upcoming ISO 20001. Now, Richard, you are chair of a BSI standards committee and you are working on a particular standard, ISO 20001, Development and Utilisation of a Management System for the Minimisation of Food Loss and Waste Across the Food Value Chain. So I'd really want to get into this about, you know, to tell me about this standard. Why is it needed? What will it cover? You know, what excites you about ISO 20001? 
So Matthew, this comes back to, you know, why is it important to tackle food loss and waste? And um, we talked about the scale, you know, a third of all food is wasted around the planet. And of course, actually, a lot of that wastage occurs within businesses. And I guess one of the things that you think about in this context is why aren't businesses already tackling this? Because it doesn't make economic sense to be wasting significant amounts of food. And part of that problem, and this is, you know, this has been supported by research around the world, is that, you know, food waste is not being measured on a regular basis. Basis within these organizations. And, and what we found is as soon as organizations start to measure food loss and waste in, in, within their operations, they start for identifying hotspots, i.e. where there's a particular high amount of food waste, and also start thinking about how they can do something about that and start reducing it. And so this is where the ISO, uh, the ISO standard uh, 20001 comes in, because what it does is it helps companies uh, identify where the food waste is, measure in a consistent way, and start thinking about how, how to set targets to reduce and then start thinking about uh, reduction processes. And once you start doing that, you get, you've changed the mindset. No longer are people saying, well, I, I don't have a food waste problem simply because I don't know I've got one there. You've actually got people saying, oh, I now know exactly what my food waste problem is and I know what I'm doing about it. And I actually have set myself some targets and directions of travel that I'm going to try and achieve. And actually, interestingly, as businesses become um, more adept at measuring uh, the process, what we find is that ideas for reducing it come from the workforce because the workforce often says, oh, cracky, we've got this amount of food waste. Now we know exactly what it is. What can we do to change it? Oh, yeah, we can tweak this. We can change that. Um, we, if we do this in a different way, that reduces it. So what's great about this approach is not only does it actually provide you data on which to act, but it also energizes the workforce around you to sort of drive change in that process. And finally, by understanding your sources of waste, you can understand what, you know, how your supply chain, that's your suppliers and your customers, can also be part of the journey to reducing food loss and waste because you've got good quality data. You understand the causes of food loss and waste. You understand the hotspots. You can then also work with your suppliers and your customers to help reduce that. And you know, ISO 20001, I think, can be at the heart of driving that change. Richard, you mentioned there a sort of energy from the workforce, which I, which I was I sort of jumped on there because uh, conversations take place within committee rooms, and we're always I always like to to ask standards makers, you know, to take us inside some of the conversations uh, that they've been having because you, your job as chair is to ensure that there is consensus and agreement or lack of disagreement for the standard itself. So, can you take us inside the committee and think, you know, what are the what are sort of the pressing conversations that you're having? What are the issues that you're coming up against? What are the let's be honest, maybe what are some of the arguments you're having over the clauses, you know, where is the focus at the moment in the development of the standard? So we're at a fairly early stage, Matthew, in the development of the standard. Um, uh, and so at the moment, there, there, there's subgroups that have been, um, been worked up, which are looking at different components of the standard um, and feeding into the ISO process. So at this stage, I mean, on, on what we've been very lucky on, because in the, uh, the uh, Mirror Committee in the UK, Many of the members have actually been working on food loss and waste reduction for a number of years because the the UK uh, started working on food waste reduction as far back as uh, 2007, 2008. And so there's, there is actually a lot of consensus on how best to do this. This is based on experience, uh, based on uh, people doing this uh, both in academia, but also doing this in, in business, in, uh, in practice. So at the moment, what we're doing is making sure that we're scoping uh, the, um, the standard effectively, 
and we're actually contributing effectively into the the working groups, the subgroups that have been set up by the ISO standards. And and to be fair, what I'm finding across is broad consensus across the committee at the moment as to how we might best do this because a lot of this is based on existing evidence and making sure that we we're, that that existing evidence is fed into the ISO process and fed into the standard in a consistent way and the other area that they're very as a committee we're very keen on is making sure that the, the approach of doing it is as, is as efficient as possible and as effective as possible uh, so that you know that we reduce the burdens and maximize the benefits on businesses from implementing the standards and this uh, Richard I presume because we're talking here about the entire food value chain this this standard will be applicable to, to all organizations operating in this uh, in this space that's the the idea it is it operates right across the supply chain that's right yeah and uh, so it's specifically within businesses within uh, sort of manufacturing uh, retail hospitality and food services it's going right across that supply chain and should be applicable to all of those circumstances and that is something that the, uh, that the committee is thinking carefully about making sure that what we have got is broadly applicable because obviously the the food supply chain is enormous uh, across the planet and and what you want to be able to do is having a standard that can make a material uh, change to the whole of that and be suitable for use at different stages of the supply chain. And certainly, what's the experience we've had over the years is the, you know you can and, and what Rapper's done, for example, is come up with specific guidance for exactly how you do measurement at different points in the supply chain, um, and verified this research by doing work very closely with businesses. And some of that information is being fed into the process to make sure that what the the output is going to be as a effective and can operate at these different stages and be adapted to at different stages of the supply chain. Now, you mentioned, Richard, the, the early stages, relatively early stages of the standards development, and you are sitting in your role as chair and, and convening a group of, of stakeholders and experts in the room to decide what good looks like. Now, just when you get to speculate here, you know, 5, 10, 15 years maybe when this standard is out there, it's published, it's being used, ultimately, what difference will it make? Well, I think we all have the aspiration, Matthew, that this standard is part of a global movement towards halving food loss and waste around the world. Um, currently, UN Sustainable Development Goal 12.3 is all about halving food waste and reducing food loss right across the supply chain by 2030. And what I'd like to see is this standard plays a key role in delivering this change. We've talked about just how big an issue food waste is. A third of all the food that's produced on the planet, roughly speaking, has been wasted every single year with huge environmental consequences. What I'd love to do is see this standard um, being part of the journey of the world to dramatically reducing food loss waste and getting as close as possible to that 50% reduction part target by 2030 or shortly after, because we do need this change to happen if we are going to actually transform the food system uh, to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions uh, and also to reduce its environmental impact for the benefit of future generations. You, you are a, a standards maker, Richard, and you're enjoying this role. I just wonder what you say to, to maybe young professionals out there who currently aren't involved uh, in standards development. What would you say to them? Maybe what would you say to y- your younger self uh, about getting involved in standards? I guess, Matthew, uh, what I'd say to my younger self, in fact, also what I'd probably say to, to, to my children is, is that you know, there are many ways that you can 
drive change because train change is absolutely what we need to do to tackle the uh, the huge challenges that humanity face at the moment particularly the ones of uh, of climate change and standards has a role in driving that change because standards can change the way you view things this is the power of standards doing things in a uh, measuring things in a consistent way and then having within the standard uh, approaches that help you work out what you can do to reduce uh, um, uh, in this particular case the waste but to reduce um, the impact that you're trying to get so I think the critical thing about standards is it can really help you drive change the one thing I would always say to myself is uh, and say to anybody who's interested in this area is also let's make sure that standards are, are actually driving reductions as well as just the measurement and this is one of the things that's really really clear uh, within the food loss and waste standard is we're talking about setting targets measuring having reduction measures as part of this process so that and monitoring and verification so that we know we're making the changes we need to do so let's use standards to drive change that we need to have to achieve our environmental our social and our economic uh, objectives Well, standards to operationalise change and, and with regard to food loss and waste to sort of drive change to meet our environmental, social and economic objectives, plus a really big role for ISO 2001 in helping to halve food loss and waste globally by 2030. I mean, how about that, Cindy Paracourt? Oh yeah, big ambitions and certainly the right ones. It was it was just great to hear the passion and commitment from Richard and also to hear about ISO 20001, what is going to be a really important international standard. Indeed. So, Cindy, we should say a huge thank you to Richard Swanell from RAP. We should. And we should also say thank you to Sarah Walton from BSI. If you want to find out about some of the issues raised in this episode, including how to get involved in standards, then check out the links in the show notes. So, Cindy Paragall, that's food waste management and the end of the series. I know. What a journey, Matthew Childs. We have gone through the whole farm to fork cycle of innovation, production, packaging, distribution, consumption, and of course, waste management. And featured some of the key standards involved in each of them. We have indeed. And as it is the end of the series, we should take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to all of the guests and contributors who have either spoken to us, hosted us and helped us over the past six episodes. And of course, to the many BSI and ISO colleagues too. Yes, we should. We could have not done it without them. So, any particular favourite moments? Yeah, quite a few really. Um, I remember in episode four on food production, remember that one? We got into yeah. a very interesting debate with colleagues from Lincoln <laughs> University about melons from Brazil, about whether they liked melons or not. That was that was fun. Um, and way back in that very first episode, we talked to people about lab-cultivated meat and bio-fortified crops. I, I just found that stuff absolutely fascinating. But I think the one that really jumps out for me uh, it's episode two when we got out and about. You remember I had to put on full PPE garb and yep. equipment. How can I forget? <laughs> and I had a tour around Rainer's Sandwich Factory. Uh, that was the episode we did on food production. Mm -hmm. And that sound of the sandwich machine, I think it will always be with me. <laughs> I don't know how, how the people who work there could live with that sound of the machine all day. So that, that one really stood out for me. But how about you? 
Well, actually, my favorite bit was in the very same episode. So, meeting beef farmer Dan Burling's incredibly friendly stabilizer breed of cows when we went down on the farm in Cambridgeshire to talk to them about the impact of digital transformation and standards on beef production. It was such a great day recording on the farm and spending time with the animals. That was a really lovely day, wasn't it? Though, I do remember. We did spend quite a lot of our time talking about your hunter boots.、Uh, yes, we did. Have you、uh, <laughs> have you actually worn those since? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, we should say that you can find a link to all of the episodes in this series, including the now infamous "Down on the Farm" episode, in the show notes. And a final thank you to the very nice people at the To Love Tea and Coffee House in Battersea, who have hosted us for most of the episodes. In fact, Cindy, yes, we should huge thank you to them. It's fantastic location, isn't it? And we should、it、say、is. an amazing cake range there. So, any favourites from their cake range?、Oh, really difficult, I must say. All of the, all of them, they, they were just so delicious. But I think the. Pistachio lemon cake and the red velvet cake that I had back in episode three on food packaging—that really stood out for me.、Uh, what about you, Matthew? Oh, it's an easy one: burnt Basque cheesecake.、Mm. Episode four on food distribution—stunning. <laughs> if you remember, I think I said,、yep. if cheesecake is on offer, then it just trumps thing, trumps everything.、Yeah. However, however, though, don't we agree、mm. that Victoria Sponge is the best cake overall, generally? You don't give up, do you? I don't. I don't. <laughs> right, we finished on food waste management, and、uh, I'm going to mar- manage very easily in not letting this particular food <laughs> go to waste. Me too. No way. <laughs>、mm. That is really good. You have been listening to Farm to Fork: The Relationship Between Standards and Food, a series from The Standard Show. Subscribe to us now. Wherever you get your podcasts, you just heard a stripped media production. 